Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Greetings, mobile accomplishers. Welcome to The Verge Cast. I am Dieter Bone, and you are listening to our short run of special episodes that are running on Tuesdays that are a little bit more focused than the regular chat show. And this week, we are talking about the new MacBook Pros from Apple. And I'm really excited about this episode because it's um, it's something that we haven't really done before. You'll be listening to this after review embargoes go up, but we aren't going to be hitting those review embargoes. We're actually taking more time to make sure that we can get a bunch of stuff right about these MacBook Pros, and you're going you're to hear about that in the episode. Um, but because we are still in the middle of the review process, I wanted to talk about what it's like to review laptops, and these laptops in particular, while we are still in the process of figuring out what we think of these things. So you're probably going to hear a lot of preliminary opinions. You're going to hear a lot of, well, I think it's this, but I don't know. And we just kind of wanted to like, while we're still in the process, talk about what it's like to be in that process. So I don't know. It's it's actually a little scary, a little vulnerable, <laughs> honestly. And It's emotional. It's emotional. And so uh, you just heard the voice of Neelai Patel. Uh, Monica Chin is also here. Hello. You're both very brave for, for coming. So these two are reviewing the MacBooks. I am just sitting back here and uh, watching the magic happen. Waiting to be told if you should buy. <laughs> Pretty much. So I think just to start, we, we talked about these MacBooks a bunch on the chat show last week. But just in case anybody's not sure, I'm sure everybody knows. But let's get the like the basics of what is new about these MacBook Pros why they're interesting, and like what sort of specs there are to pay attention to. Monica? The most exciting thing is the new processors, at least to me. Mm -hmm. They have new chips. There's the M1 Pro. There's the M1 Max. They are making some pretty lofty claims, not only about how powerful they are, but how efficient they are and how powerful they're able to be at uh, lower TGP. There's a, there's a notch now, um, okay. which lots of people have lots of opinions about. The notch has a better camera that still does not support Face ID, but it is better. Um, entire resolution. The Monica ports hates are back. the notch, by the way. You want to straight up be vulnerable? She like <laughs> said it. It was like the reason she said it right away is because it's all she can think about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think about twenty four seven. Yeah. <laughs> they added some ports back on, and it's a lot chunkier. It's thicker. I think in part to accommodate the ports. And there's a new. The keyboard is now all black. Mm -hmm. The the deck mm -hmm. is black, which is 
I think also likely to be polarizing. It's a very different look. I think you got to have to get used to. Right. And then there's a screen. Yeah. Which is mini LED and also supports their high refresh rate promotion. Yep. So that's a lot. Is that everything? There are other little things that we can think of it in terms of like redesign, keyboard, screen, camera, processor, new ports. That's a huge change, especially for Apple, which tends to stick to their designs. Yeah, I would say that having used it now for a few days, mm-hmm. we're very excited about the ports. Mm-hmm. But the reality is they've only added two ports. So they, we're like, ports. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually what they did was they took away one Thunderbolt port. And replaced it with MagSafe. Replaced it with MagSafe to charge it mm-hmm. to get into fast charging. And then they added an HDMI port, SD card slot. That's all great, but it's not like the thing is festooned. There's not like a VGA port. Which, I, I mean, mean <laughs> you know, like the reality of these machines is they've been starved yeah. for connectivity. Yeah. And they basically just built in the two dongles yeah. that you need the most. So we've been starving yeah. for five years and they gave us a saltine cracker and we're like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. There's not like USB-A ports or whatever. Yeah, like, right. It's three Thunderbolt, four ports, uh, SD cards on yep. HMI. And, and like just in reality, when you have it, you're like, oh, they just replaced the dongle that I use the most. Yeah. And yes, MagSafe is coming back to the MacBook Pro. MagSafe 3 has a new design that supports more power into the system, and you can still charge via the Thunderbolt ports. So this is actually a really interesting place to start because when we get a new thing to review, whatever it is, we often start with like a hypothesis, which may eventually become a thesis if it's proven right. And the hypothesis, I'm assuming with this machine, was kind of where I thought I was going, which is this is a huge change. And so when you're going to approach this laptop in particular instead of like, you know, another XPS 13 or another version of the old, you know, MacBook that didn't change its design or whatever. What is your, what's your approach? What's your tactical strategy for, okay, I need to review this thing. I need to form thoughts on it quickly. And I also need to test the hell out of it. What are you doing that's maybe different than your typical process? Uh, For me, it was a lot more benchmarks um, than I usually run because I think in this case, I really wanted to have a lot of comparison points. Mm-hmm. I think you know, normally I'll run like a couple and I'll see where it fits on the scale. Um, I really ran like everything I could here. And I think in particular, we wanted to test both uh, the CPU performance and the GPU performance uh, because the Pro Max really the only difference is like the GPU. And mm-hmm. I think like generally with a laptop, like you're comparing that laptop to its competition. And here the biggest question for me um, or at least one of the biggest questions for me was who should buy the Max versus the Pro because so many people have already been asking me, like, should I get the Max or the Pro? A, b- a bunch of our staffers this yeah. weekend asked me that. <laughs> By the way, the unfortunate thing is when someone says, should I buy the Max or the Pro, like, it, it's hard to know what they're referring to in right. Apple land. <laughs> we're referring specifically to the processors, which are... Yeah, the yeah. M1 Max yeah. version so the or the Pro M1 Pro version. also has a Pro processor option or the MacBook Pro has a Max processor option. Right, and this is just me. My life now is yeah, yeah. Be, be mixing up pro and pro. But so for me, one of the biggest questions I wanted to look at first was how much of a benefit does the Max, the M1 Max, give you over the M1 Pro, and mm-hmm. really who is that intended for? So we run benchmarks on almost everything that we review in one way, shape, or form, uh, be them laptops or anything else. But we don't always like publish those results because often they're not interesting or they're not like the thing the thing hinges on. But for this one in particular. You're running not just our standard suite, but like paying a lot more attention to those benchmarks because the processors are like such a pivotal thing yeah. for this laptop. And especially between the models, I think. What this versus the that, is adding. right? Yeah. What else, when like, and Neil, you too, when you're thinking about approaching or reviewing a thing, what you are paying extra attention to? Uh, like, I need to make sure that I understand 
X, Y, and Z about this thing I'm reviewing because it is the it's the thing that will determine whether or not this is you know good or bad or whatever. Yeah, I think for me with this one, a bunch of the stuff is iterative Apple stuff. Mm-hmm. Apple makes really good laptop speakers. I have an old, I have the previous generation 16 inch MacBook Pro. It has great laptop speakers. This one has slightly better ones. I'm not gonna like burn my time quantifying the improvement. Right. But I do think the CPU and GPU is really important because it's a new architecture. We've had a year now of M1. Mm-hmm. And then I think the most important thing is battery life. And measuring battery life has become an increasingly spiritual process. Okay, so I was I was maybe going to try and hold <laughs> off getting into the existential crisis of battery life because we've done it on the Vergecast a handful of times now. Yeah. And I guess first let's like lay of the land what why has battery life testing become an emotional journey and a, a spirit quest and not just like oh it lasts this long in the last it, like it feels it's like in the last decade or so. In the last decade but but in particular this year I think that some of the things that companies have been saying about battery life got changed slightly. Or tweak slightly, yeah. and so we're reacting to that in some way. And actually, I also later on, uh, spoiler alert, I want to talk about like when a company claims something that how that affects the review. But anyway, what's going on with battery life? Let's talk about graphs. Um, yeah. So with battery life, I just like the the quick version of this is ten years ago when we started, you'd have a, a computer with a CPU and a GPU, and you'd have some video codecs in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And nothing was really optimized for each other. So you'd play a video on a computer, and it would just be a very taxing right. thing to do. Yep. And it would require, like, the CPU to run at full tilt. And so you could get away with measuring battery life because you had this long – you could just, like, run a video for 30 hours and see where the battery would die. Yeah. And it was By just, way, like, two you, hours. You, I was going to say 30 hours, 10 years ago. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what what kind of laptop did you have? <laughs> Holy God. Six hours. Whatever yeah. number it is, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, And it was just, like, tax the whole system. Yeah. You know, tax memory performance, like, the whole thing. And over time, what has happened is the chips have gotten more efficient overall. Mm-hmm. They've gotten more powerful. They've also gotten more specialized. Right. And the big companies, particularly Apple and Google and Microsoft, they are now participating in video codec development to optimize them for the hardware of their chips. Right. All like all over the place, this is happening. Yeah. So something like a video rundown test has gone from being an overall measure of battery life, like mm-hmm. a taxing thing that you can do for a long time that everyone wants to do to like one tiny corner of a highly specialized subset of the chip will just do it without drawing any power. Right. And so you look at Apple's battery life numbers and they're like 21 hours of video playback if you use the Apple TV app. Right. And it's like, well, no no one does this. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah, it's right. like, I've used like, it a few times. You can fly around the world twice and you're like, I've watched all of Foundation. And yeah. Like, <laughs> Maybe someone. You've learned a lot about people talking about math. Not any actual math in Foundation, (laughs) by the way. But if you're doing that, you are also probably in first class, like plugged in, like whatever. (laughs) So, like, the things that we think about as battery life testing have now moved to parts of the chip that use less power. Yeah. And I will say that we've been talking about this in terms of of video codecs and video chips and so on, but this actually applies to other contexts as well. Uh, I'm thinking in particular of of the web um, and on phones. 
It's not just that there, it's apples and oranges for different web browser engines. There are now like optimizations in operating systems for certain things like JavaScript and Java and stuff on the web. Yeah. And so it's like it's actually really difficult to compare across platforms, but it's even difficult to compare on the same platform across years because the way that they optimize web pages changes. So if you've got like a we used to have a fancy tool that would like loop web pages and it just like one, that's not consistent over time, but two, like they get more efficient. So, like, this is a wonderful problem to have. Our computers are more efficient. Yay. But even yeah. when Apple's doing the Intel ones, mm-hmm. uh, this was, like, a famous, like, Walt Mossberg thing that he would remind me of all the time. He'd be like, they use Intel processors. The processors are the same. But Apple, because they control the hardware and the software, they're able to power down more of the entire computer when you're right. not using it. Right. Including some parts of the chip. Yep. So, it's just, like, very hard to know. What is actually happening inside your computer? Right. Right. And I would compare that to when we do iPhone battery testing, we take their claims a little more seriously. Mm-hmm. Because Apple, when we've talked about this on the show a lot, Apple in particular collects a lot of telemetry data from iPhone users, right? When you opt into yep. data collection on your phone. So they kind of have this like machine learning model of what iPhone users are doing. And they can apply it to their battery specs and their power consumption of their chip mm-hmm. and estimate about – we cannot replicate that estimation. No. Not even a little. <laughs> like, there's no way – like unless millions of you show up at our office yep. and let us monitor your phones. Yep. We can't do it. But, but the, in but real life, there's we can a, see that it matches up slightly. But there's a layer on top of that. They're doing all of that, and the way that they express that number to us is an hour and a half longer use time – generally than last year's model. And they're like, okay, well, what was last year's model? Well, last year's model was an hour and a half longer generally in use time than the model before it. Yeah. And like, you like, you have to go back to, I don't know. The iPhone 3GS got four hours of battery. And there it is. It's like, <laughs> like, from there. It's iPhones all the yeah. way down. But there's no model like that for the Mac. Right. As far as we know. Well, what, I think what part of what makes it such an emotional process, at least, for me and I think in the reviewer community in general is it's somewhat of a different philosophy of like who you're doing these tests for. Mm -hmm. Like we don't do synthetic battery tests at all or we haven't at least since I've been here. And companies get really mad about it. (laughs) And I get emailed (laughs) all the time that are like, you should be getting more what did you do? I'll tell them what I did. And they said, well, we can't replicate that in our lab. Can you run an industry standard? But can you do this? Can you do this? Can you I run think- an industry standard battery test? Sure, yeah. make one. Yeah, there, <laughs> yeah. there is uh, not one. It's ultimately a question of like, do you care more about accurately stacking up laptops on the market against each other? Mm-hmm. Or do you care more about giving readers an approximation of how long they can expect, even if it's only an approximation. Yeah. And I think our test leans a lot more towards the latter. It does not give us a very, very accurate list of this laptop can do this much and this laptop can do this much. But I think that running an industry standard video playback test does not tell a reader how long they can work on a laptop. And our test might. Right. It may give you some sort of comparative idea. Like, I'm trying to pick between two laptops and this one did better on a video rundown test than that one. But I think What's happened because processing has become heterogeneous is that all you learn from a video rundown test is how long it lasts running down on video. Yeah. Like, and you don't actually, it does not, it doesn't translate to the general use. And you're, but you're also kind of like, you could back into an answer like that much more simply, right? Like the 16 inch MacBook Pro that I'm looking at has a 100 watt hour battery or 99, whatever the number is yeah, that yeah. lets you get on a plane. Like that. just below that. Yeah, so it's yeah, like 199. Yeah. We know the maximum power envelope of the chip. Yeah. Okay. We know that we should subtract another 10% for the display. 
Sure. Great. Now I know how long the battery lasts. <laughs> but yeah, it's like I could just do that math and get there without yeah. having to like set up foundation to run for 21 hours. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's like I, know, way, I already know. That's just that's just how long the first episode feels, by the way, <laughs> the foundation. But that math is like also not useful. All I've really told you is how big the battery is. Right. Right. What yeah. is actually useful is some people are going to buy this machine and it will be total overkill for them because yep. they use Excel all day long. Yeah. But they want the nicest one. Yeah. Those people will probably get eight hours of battery life. Some people are buying this thing. By the time this goes up, our hands-on video will be up. Yep. Uh, and Alex Diaconis, our video producer, she edited that hands-on on the 14-inch MacBook Pro right. with the M1 Pro on battery. It lasted about four hours. And she said it was the nicest laptop she's ever had. Yeah. That is a useless piece of information for the Excel jockey with ambition. Mm-hmm. It is a very useful piece of information for a video editor. Right. So, like, I think we're when we say we don't do these industry standard tests, it's because all they're really telling you is how big the battery is. Yeah. And what we're trying to tell you is how long will it last for various kinds of tasks. Right. And, like, if you read our sections of our battery bit, you know, the paragraph about battery, there'll be, like, a very boring sentence of, like, it lasted this long for me for my typical work day, which, by the way, happens to consist of Chrome <laughs> and this app and Every Slack single time, and blah, yep. blah. <laughs> and that's because, like, in the same way that, like, I don't know, tech companies are like, this is the video rundown test. We we need to tell you what we did in some way, shape, or form so that you can, that information can become useful in some way, shape, or form. And then complicating that, a year ago when we did that with the M1 Air and the yeah. M1 MacBook Pro, we were using a bunch of apps that hadn't been released for Apple Silicon yet. Right. We were using Chrome that was in Rosetta, made for Intel. Yep. We were using Zoom. We were using Slack. Yep. They are all updated now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to say that now. And it's not just the chip that's been improved. It's not just the larger battery. Yeah. It's an application ecosystem that is yep. optimized to run in these processors. Right. But so, Monica, we had that variable last year. This year, there's another variable that the M1s were amazing for battery life, like mind-blowing. And oftentimes, we're like, well, the second generation will be just as good as the first. But it's no guarantee that the M1 Pro and the M1 Max are going to have the same battery life that the regular M1 did, right? In fact, we would be surprised if they did, just because they're more powerful. Right. So it would be shocking to me if they lasted as long as the original M1 Unless did. Unless they, they did you know, something special with yeah. you know cores and what's lit up and what's not. But it's, it's, it's another assumption we can't make about these machines because they're so new. In general, the M1s ran on their efficiency cores more often. Right. They had more of them. Yep. And in general, what they have done with both the Pro and the Max is they have cut the number of efficiency cores down by two. Yep. And they've added high performance cores, right. which necessarily use more power. Right. So we are expecting some difference because the chips, as Monica said, are more powerful in the specific way they're more powerful is they literally yeah. have more, more powerful cores. Yep. Support of the Vergecast comes from Shopify. Whether you're a huge company or a small crafter trying to make a buck off your hobby, selling online is one of the best ways to grow. Shopify is one of the top e-commerce platforms that you can use to get started. But it's not just online. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And you can sell wherever, online or with their in-person point of sale system. You can also sell more with less effort with their AI-powered tool, Shopify Magic. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. You might recognize more brands who already use Shopify, like Rothy's, Brooklinen, Allbirds, and more. Millions of entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries rely on Shopify for their e-commerce needs. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash vergecast. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash vergecast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash vergecast. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Okay, let's take a look at these things. What was the first thing that struck you when you pulled it out of the box? They're very square. Yeah? Yeah, they're very yep. square. They're, um, Me too. You know, MacBooks are the 16, they're round. They're easy to get your fingers around on the side. Okay. This one, they're, these are harder. They're square. It's like you got to get up under it. Right. Um, so that was, I think, just like the first thing that jumped out to me. I had a number of people walk by my desk when I had these on and be like, oh, is that the new one? Oh, no, that's the 2015. <laughs> like, <keep walking. laughs> yeah. I'd be like, no, 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 come back. It is, it is the new one. The, your reference point of what it looks like, it's either the 2015s mm-hmm. or it's like way back. It's the titanium power book. Yeah. Depending on just like what imprinted on you when you were like a, a baby duckling. <laughs> the other thing that I noticed right away is we spent so much time talking about the feet. They've got race feet, and Apple like zoomed in. They showed you the feet on yeah. the computer, and like, are they for cooling? And like in practice, they are invisible. Right, they just don't exist to you. Okay. And then the third thing, it's like here's the divergence point between Monica. I was like, the screen's beautiful, and Monica's like, this notch sucks. <laughs> I do think the screen's beautiful. <laughs> okay, but so why does the notch suck? Because I went on this rant. It's like they gave you more screen. Why are you complaining? The 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 notch is in the menu bar. It's not yeah. actually killing anything. Is it just ugly? So I'm going to caveat just here that I am still rocking an iPhone 8 Plus because I don't like the iPhone notch wow. also. So wow. I'm a specific use case. However, I just don't like that my cursor like disappears under it. It, it just feels like it's covering up content that I would otherwise be seeing, which is true. And I know that it's not like content content. It's just like the bar, but it just throws me off. I'm, it seems like one of those things you get used to as you use it, but um, it was disconcerting for me to start out. Yeah. I will say that it ships with a very dark wallpaper. Mm-hmm. And Mac OS Monterey, it's ugly. It's an ugly operating system. But the way the wallpaper is expressed in Monterey is that it kind of fades into the menu bar. Mm-hmm. And so they, like, out of the box, they're trying to hide it as much as they can. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is not new. Apple did this with the notch in their wallpapers. Uh, and then every Android phone for a while, when they started doing hole punches, the wallpaper just happened to be black in that section of the wallpaper. Yeah. It took a minute for people to realize, oh, wait, we can make a joke about this and, like, have it be a minion and the right. eye is the hole punch or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's surprising to me how big the notch is for what it contains. Mm-hmm. My iPhone 13 Pro Max yep. has a very good camera. Yep. It has a face ID system with like an IR light and a dot projector. 
it has a speaker, and like this notch is like a camera. Yeah, and it doesn't do face ID, yeah. and it's still pretty big. Now, Monica, what struck you first? I think it was definitely the squareness. Yeah. I think also the black keyboard was like weirder to see originally than I thought. Um, yeah, it sort of looks it looks like this like square of black and an expanse of gray. Like there's a lot of gray around it, but I think I. I that has faded into the background right. as me for for me as well over uh, time. One of the other things I like to do in my reviews is tell the reader some detail about the thing that I learned from using it that isn't necessarily obvious. Like when you're reviewing a laptop, it's like, well, you can't know what the keyboard is unless you have it and you re- review it, right? So that's pretty standard. But often there's like there's something. It's like, oh, I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have thought that would be that way, but it is. And there's something vaguely interesting about it. Was there any, any detail like that that you've come across in using it? They're like, oh, you know, no one who hadn't spent a week with this would ever have like noticed this little thing. So for me, I do not have the new iPad with a mini LED display. Okay. So these have a mini LED display. And you can see that when you like play an HDR video, you can see the display brightness ramp. Okay. Which is, you can see it on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm used to it on an iPhone. But seeing it on a Mac... And like seeing how it ramps and seeing that it ramps because the backlight is able to ramp independently of the rest of the display. Yeah. It's like watching just like it ramp in the corner is like there's no way to show you that. Right. Because I'm shooting SDR video. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's just like no way to communicate like, oh, this display is extremely bright. Yeah. And also able to control where it's bright in surprising ways. Right, right. For me, and, and and I'm not reviewing them, but when I picked it up, uh, the Touch ID button, the one in the, oh, yeah. the upper right, is uh, it's like a similar size, but it has a much harder click, and it's also lower profile to discourage you from hitting it accidentally, I think. And so it was just interesting that like you would expect it, it looks like a button, but when you actually are up yeah. there with it, it's like a different kind of button. I guess I haven't Touch ID'd into this thing very much. Yeah. For me, I think it's just, um, I didn't realize how happy I was to have the Touch Bar gone. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I, I I knew it was I expected a it. I was like, all the function water. keys are back, but actually, just like spending a day having keys there instead of a touch bar yeah. was just wonderful. <laughs> it was yeah, the first time I reached so up and just beautiful. like turned the volume down, I was like, oh. yeah, I don't have to. Yeah, keep doing that. Yeah. Like <laughs> hitting the mute button for me is that that moment. It's like, oh, nah. Yeah. The physical keys replace the touch bar. The keyboard is set in a double anodized black well that elegantly highlights the backlit glyphs on the keys. Okay, so you're working on the reviews. How do you come to an angle? Like when we when we're writing, we like to have you know a point of view on the thing, and we want to tell some story. And we that often for us boils down to saying what's our angle on this thing. And I'm curious if you have gotten to a place where you think you might have one. So the two things that are in my head that are going to form that angle, mm-hmm. and I think we have some testing to go. One, they're expensive. Yeah. And so, is it actually worth it over a MacBook Air? Right. Which is a very good computer and probably the computer most people should get, right? And MacBook Airs are expensive, but they're not. They're expensive compared to like mid-range Windows PCs, mm. right? They're like just above where you... A little bit more. Yeah, it's like a couple hundred the... bucks, but they're in the pocket. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a pretty good deal. These computers are just really expensive, right? The 14 base model is $2,000. The one, the 16 I'm looking at right here is $3,500. That's just a lot of money for a mm-hmm. computer. Is that worth it? If you're you just want the nicest one, I don't know. Like people got money, right? Like I'm watching the crypto market. I'm like, oh, there's a bunch of money floating around. Like, okay, maybe that's worth it. Is it worth it if you're a professional and use this for work? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Like I just want to figure that out. Like I want to put that price in the context. And the second thing for me, anyway, and Dieter knows where I'm going because I've been whining about this for like five days. Oh boy. 
We gave the M1 Air and the M1 Pro 9.5 scores, did. and we said, but for this garbage webcam, these would have been 10s. Right. So this is another thing I was going to try and say to the end, but let's just get into talking about scores here. They're very contentious. We we tend to score things, you know, six, seven, eight, nine sometimes. The uh, scores look like they're a, like an objective measure, and what they are is like a very emotional reaction. Yeah, they're they're emotional is like being a little bit too dismissive. We put more objectivity into it, but they're not they're not an objective measure. That is true. It is another piece of opinion. And mm-hmm. instead of writing a sentence, we're giving it a number. And that number is an opinion. It's not a like objective ranking. And the discussion that we're gonna end up having is the nine point five for the MacBook Air in particular was this laptop that is generally used for this kind of thing. At this price point, you know, it's like a 9.5 for like your general purpose ultrabook style computer. Mm-hmm. If we, you know, we're talking if for the pros, it's like a video editor. If I'm like a video editor came to me, it's like, oh, you gave it a 9.5. I'm going to edit video on them, the MacBook Air. It's like, well, yeah, you can, but it's not like you, you still could do better elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not a 9.5 for video editors or I don't know, CAD files or you know, whatever, whatever the thing is. It's the 9.5 for the thing that we generally understand this thing to exist in. And so for the MacBook Pros going, you know, that score should be in the context of that. It's in price factors into our score quite a lot, actually. Yeah. When you see the score and it's like, oh, that seems kind of low, often it's because, well, this thing is overpriced. Yep. And we don't have a precise metric for it that's like, you know, it's a, a piece of opinion. But the discussion is going to be, you know, in the price point, in the range, what does this thing do for the kind of people we imagine ought to be buying this thing? This is, I'm rehearsing the argument that I'm going to have in July. Because we've been like half yeah. having it for many days yeah. now. The, the thing we're walking up to is The Verge has never, to my knowledge, given anything a 10. Yep. And it's not because we don't believe that perfection exists. It's not even, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we think giving it a 10 means it's perfect. We do not. Yeah. Like a 10 is, again, it is an editorial statement. Instead of writing a sentence saying, oh, my God, this thing is amazing, blah, 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 the 10, you know, an image is a thousand words, so is a review score. Yeah. Right? Or in um, our case, like 5,000 words. <laughs> <laughs> and so that is the interesting thing that we are batting around right now. But so here's what I know. I know that if you took this webcam, this 1080p webcam uh-huh. from the 16-inch or 14-inch Pro mm-hmm. and put it in the MacBook Air, mm-hmm. I would tell you the MacBook Air is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing. Probably, yeah, I think we, we would do that. But I don't know, maybe I would tell you that it's a 9.5 because it doesn't have a notch and the, the bezel on the top is too big. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all in there. It's just like when you're like, what is your angle? Part of where my head's at is, wow, they're expensive. And so just from the jump, it's are they worth it? Yep. Are they worth all this money? And you know that is even in the context of so many people rushed out to buy them right away mm-hmm. that Apple's website slowed down. Yeah. That's remarkable. Like, I think more people rush to pre-order this than, like, in our little world than the iPhone. Yeah. Or they were happier to have pre-ordered yeah, than yeah. the iPhone. Like, pre-ordering the iPhone at this point for, like, our subset of tech and media Twitter is like, ah, I'm doing this again. <laughs> <laughs> like, the rush to, like, post your receipts and be excited about these. So, it, clearly, a lot of people think it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. Right? Without any hesitation. But like, is it really the performance suggests, like... These are some of the fastest laptops we have ever tested, like leaps and bounds in, in some cases. Yeah. It depends. It depends. It depends. Really? Yeah. Well, so you're doing all the performance testing. What do you mean by it depends? 
So it's a very, uh, the processor seems to be good at very specific things. It's very good at our 4K export test. Like, very, very good. Very good. Exceptional. The Pro Max is the fastest time I've ever seen on the export test. The M1 Pro is, like, one of the fastest. That said, that is a difficult test to do head-to-head comparisons with because Premiere Pro is changing all the time. So for a while, a a couple previous versions of Premiere Pro, like, had trouble with our export test and did it kind of slowly. So that's more of sort of a, like... That's more intended to be like, this is how long you can expect an export to take. Yeah. On Shadow of the Tomb Raider, it is performing around where we would expect a high-clocked RTX 3060 to perform based on recent results that we've had, or a lower-clocked RTX 3070. Okay. Which is reasonable. It is much more expensive than you can get, like, an RTX 3060 and a ZFRS G14 for. Looking at, like, synthetic graphics benchmarks, they're a little bit, uh, they're, they're, like, in the mix when it looks, when you look at, like, gaming creative laptops, but they are not blowing everyone out of the water. Right. So, you know, it it depends on your use case. Yep. And I think one thing that might be interesting as you're listening to this is Monica's running all of these tests. We might not publish all of the results. We, yeah. In fact, we, we almost surely won't like tell you every single thing we did and what the score was, but it's part of our process anyway, because it helps inform, you know, what we're, when we're trying to, you know, tell the story of this thing. Yeah. Um, and actually when we talk about angle, especially in reviews, it's like, our point of view on the thing, it's its our way in. It's the angle. It's like the direction in to the thing. Feel free to steal this. If I were writing this review, like often when I'm writing a review, I have like in my head like an imaginary first sentence and maybe it becomes the first sentence and maybe it's not, but it's like the frame of, mm-hmm. of, like, of how I want to think about telling the story of this thing. And for me, the thing that feels important about this laptop, maybe not the most important thing, but like the thing that helps you understand why it's interesting and different is just that it's thicker. Yeah. If you just say, like, I, my, my imaginary starting sentence would be, the MacBook Pros are thicker. And a bunch of stuff falls out of that observation. Apple is willing to change its design philosophy. Apple is thinking about thermal throttling in a different way than it has for the past five years at least. There's, there's a bunch of stuff in there. Like, they, they could have made it thinner than the last mm-hmm. one with these chips because we know they're more efficient than Intel. So at the same time, are using more efficient chips that they made themselves, they're also giving them a higher thermal headroom. And the philosophy and the thinking and the intention behind those two things together is very different from what we're used to seeing from Apple. You were asking about, talk about score philosophy, which you asked about earlier. Um, I think I do it a little differently from what a lot of people do. Um, I think partially because I just review so many myself. You review a lot, Um, yeah. Generally, I, little secret, generally I look at the closest competitor that I've reviewed or that someone on our staff has reviewed, Mm -hmm. and I very closely compare my impressions of each part of both devices and try to come up with the most objective impression I have of how much better or how much worse the device I'm reviewing is than that close competitor. And sometimes I'll look at multiple. In this case, I think that the, the competitors that are relevant mostly are the M1 and the Intel MacBooks that we have already. Right. So for me, the weight there, at least especially compared to the the M1 13, is going to be a big part of it. One of the things I really like about the the M1 MacBook Pro 13 is how light it is and how easy it is to slip into my bag when I'm walking around with it. Right. And these things are going to be not that. <laughs> not have that advantage. <laughs> you know, you said um, efficiency, and we were talking in the context of performance, and you were talking a lot about GPU performance. An RTX 3060, 3070, they use a lot more power. Mm-hmm. So they could be faster, but then what we're saying is, but our, here the battery life will be longer. Yeah. 
And like the famous graph for that is the one that Apple made. And a thing that is driving me crazy is that we have no way of recreating that graph. Right. Like we just cannot do it. Yeah. Because we don't know what the y-axis of that graph is, right? It's just relative performance. I have my suspicions about what it is, what it is based on the scores that we have. But what do yeah, you think it is? So I think that I think it's Geekbench. Yeah, the one that they were, the the one where they're diverging like that. But, but how are they measuring power? So you want to run a program that's looking at the clock speed that the processor is running at, and then like run a benchmark and see how high it goes. So you're, you're using the clock speed of the GPU or whatever. Yeah. As a proxy for power draw, yeah, and presumably Apple actually knows it's power draw. Yeah, they could they they, they can measure that directly. I'm sure. <laughs> One hopes and there's yeah. actually like some terminal stuff uh, yeah, yeah. on a Mac you can do. Yeah, and then on, on the Windows side, it's a lot easier. But that to me is like that's the graph they're showing to mm -hmm. make their claims, and it is a graph because we're only guessing at the y-axis. It's not a graph that we can recreate. Yeah, but it's a very important piece of information in the context of this review. Right. Maybe it's only. 70% of the highest performing Windows graphics card in a notebook. But if the power usage is half, right. that trade-off starts to look really worth it. Yeah, right. for sure. Right? Yep. If you can get 70% of the, the best performance you can get for three times as long, that's pretty good. Yeah, you'll take that. But like, we, we, we have to like prove it. Yeah. And because we don't know what Apple is using to make its claim, mm -hmm. we can't just like prove it. Right. We have to prove everything around it and yeah. be like, okay, we now, the shape of this puzzle piece is clear. Yeah. Right? So, like, that to me is like, they should just tell us what they're doing so we can just repeat it and then that's over. But because they won't be clear, and we have, Dieter and I have been in a meeting and we have asked and they're like, we are not going to tell you. Yeah. We have to like do all the stuff around it. So, the larger context of this discussion about the graph that doesn't have numbers on the axes or whatever, or it has numbers, but we don't know what the, the units of measurement are, is often with these products, the company will make a set of claims. This thing is important because of XYZ, or this is the thing that's really good about this laptop or phone or whatever. And so, a lot of the review is often a reaction to the company claim. And, you know, when something comes in, we don't just have like, all right, standard, you know, objective set of, you know, checklists to go through and then we get to the end of it and now we have reviewed the thing. We're reacting to the story that the company is telling about the product and I sometimes feel weird about that. I sometimes feel like, it's, yeah. yeah, but on the other hand, I tell myself, like, look, they're, they're also telling this to customers and so the thing, the, the service we're providing is we're like, providing a counter narrative or a confirming narrative or whatever to the claims that they're seeing in ads and they're hearing from like store reps or whatever that we are trying to do the the job of putting what they what the company is saying into a context that's like deeper or richer and confirming or denying or disproving yeah. or whatever. I would say our best review all, the best reviews period are ones where we completely ignore what the company is saying. <laughs> right, if we are able to do that we usually do our absolute best work. And that's challenging, right? Like that whole find an angle conversation, like I'm guessing that the 45th mid-range laptop or the 500th mid-range Android phone, we cannot just invent a narrative out of whole cloth for every one of these things, yep. right. right? It's we're a huge like, challenge. We're just like, it's another phone. So that I think then we tend to do either a more standard thing or we respond to the company. But then there's the times when like I, I think with this product, with a bunch of other stuff, with new products and particularly new categories, where it's useful to just like step away. Mm -hmm. In the case of these, and I think largely with phones, there is a step where we're just like, is this company lying to us, mm -hmm. or are they shading the truth, or they're exaggerating what it can do? 
Yeah. What is coming to mind immediately for me is a cinematic mode of the iPhone 14. <laughs> like, that's an exaggeration of the capability of the phone. Yeah. So, like, there, I think there's always just this dance between I need it. I need to tell my own story. That is actually more interesting and relevant. It will be, in, you know, there's no shortage of tech reviews in this world. It will be the most different and most useful because I'm not doing what everyone else is doing. Right. Then there's the like, well, we got to test the battery. <laughs> and then there's the, well, every company is making all these claims, and we have to say whether they're true or not. Yeah. And that kind of gets you into their their box very very quickly. Yeah, and you, you want to not be in the box. One, we have this. I, we don't have a good term for it. I, I think of them uh, often as like occasion reviews. And what I mean by that is the review of the thing. You're reviewing the thing, you're doing the benchmarks, you're saying what's good, what's bad, whatever, but you're actually using it as an occasion to say something that you want to say about the tech industry at large or whatever. I think the one that I, for me, that was like the biggest one was um, I reviewed the Avagant Glyph, which has Mm -hmm. the, you know, shoots lasers in your eyes or whatever. And it was like, if these things become popular and VR headsets were also coming, what will it mean if like our displays all become personal? And, like, we're not looking at each other, and it's, like, literally on our head. And, like, that was more interesting to me than the product, which, you know, lasted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The correct instance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't, like, for a high-profile review like the MacBook, it's probably not, like, one of those occasion reviews. Because there's enough interest that you, gotta, you just got to talk about the thing you itself. Work. Is but, it worth the money is yeah. the angle. But there's, there's like, still, especially, especially for us at The Verge, even if it's not, like, the main thing you're doing is, like, this, I'm just using this thing as an excuse to talk about another thing. We do try to have some sort of commentary on the state of computing or the design direction of the company or, you know, some other trend that's happening in tech. Do you see uh, anything in this MacBook yet where you're like, oh, I'm definitely going to have a paragraph about blah, blah, blah? Uh, I think the webcam for sure. Oh, yeah? For me. Um, me Just because it was such a downside of the last one. And Mm -hmm. there was so, I think that that's clearly a thing that should have eyes on it. It's like, did they achieve what? Everyone was yelling. Did they fix what everyone was yelling about? Right. Did they actually make a thing that is more functional or were they just trying to like throw the bone that people were yelling for? So there's two sides to that, right? There's they have to make better webcams because we're all working remotely more and more. And so like it's like a thing that was always bad. But now we're like, we care now way more (laughs) and so to do it. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is the meta narrative for this entire laptop, which is Apple has responded to all of the negative feedback they've gotten over the last yeah. years yeah. over this thing. And so is this a Apple is being responsive to feedback again story? I saw a, um Apple engineer you know, very excitedly tweeting that this thing I've been working on is finally out today. And they had a timeline in the tweet that mm-hmm. was like, I started working on this first component of this computer in 2019. I spent all of 2020 like doing some other stuff mm-hmm. and obviously a huge part of 2021. And it's like, yeah, they're responsive to criticism, but they're responsive to criticism way ahead of when we think right. they're responsive. Like, they were responding to our criticism from the 2018 machines. Right. And now they're here. <laughs> and that, to me, it's just, uh, we know it. We intellectually know this information. Yeah. But, like, sometimes you see it, and you're like, oh, in 2019, they internalized the feedback. Right. And we have spent however many years with however many new machines yep. being like, what's up? And they know they're going to change it. Yep. And that's it's just like a weird dynamic that every now and again it hits you and you're like, oh, that was really weird. Yeah. Well, I guess to me it gets more at like I, – I think that reviewers sometimes get caught up in like did the company do what the reviewers wanted? And I care a little less about that and a little just more about like did the company make the machine 
more functional. And I think in a lot of cases, reviewers are able to guess somewhat correctly at what is most functional for customers on the ground. But I think what's interesting about the webcam is they can say it's 1080 and we can go, oh, good, we asked for that. But those webcams with that spec can still vary widely in how much better they actually are than bad webcams. So it's... I mean, it's like, is this actually going to, like, make meetings better Right, <laughs> people? <laughs> yeah, and Which it, is still an open question. And, like, I'll just connect the dots there, like, maybe one t- step too far. Apple as a company does not want to work remotely, mm-hmm. right? Like, Apple's management and its employees are, like, in a lot of controversy right now because they want them back. <laughs> and yeah. so it's like, at the same time, there's a product manager at Apple. It's like, well, everyone's working from home ex- except us, and we, <laughs> like, we need to make the webcam. <laughs> and, like... That's you can just some of those things like surface in products in weird ways. I think the webcam is a really interesting one. The processor is here is you know it's related to the iPhone webcam. They're making this big claim about the image signal processing from their A series chips that have now moved into the M ones, et cetera. There's this thing is not as good as an iPhone 13 front cam. No, it's good. It's way better than the old ones. Yeah, but back to in the frame of their claims, if we just like live it, their claim is like. Look at what we were able to bring over from the iPhone. And I'm like, well, look what everyone else has been able to do for years without <laughs> that technology by just giving a shit about it. Right. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. we'll see. We, I think we do have to spend some time here. We also yeah. have to spend a lot of time on, on the display. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, it's Tom Warren, Senior Editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond. From details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. Another thing we often will have an occasion where we're using the review as an occasion to do something is to have a moment where we explain or care about some spec or like new kind of tech or like we just need to explain the way some piece of technology works and the, this review is a really good opportunity to do it. We've done it with HDR, for example. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that we're going to be doing it with um, USB-C and uh, power <laughs> delivery on this one because oh of the way the cables work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you want to get into that. Uh, but I also think that the screen is an excellent opportunity to like get into some you know occasion explain the spec because we can talk about blooming and we can talk about refresh rates and we can talk about brightness and HDR and blah, 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 blah. When you're looking at this screen and you're finally done being angry at the notch, <laughs> what are you thinking about in terms of judging it but also like making, you know, having something to explain or needing to convey something to potential buyers? So the screen technology, mini-LED, now slightly more familiar because it is in the iPad Pro. It's in yep. some other computers. It's even in some TVs. It's a complicated thing. It's a complicated system. So 
you know, the history of backlights is like original LCDs had literal fluorescent tubes up and down the side of the screen. They would light up. That's all you got. That's why it, blacks were kind of gray. Now you've got a grid of thousands of tiny LEDs mm-hmm. that create white light, and they can turn them off on and off really fast as things happen on the screen. Mm-hmm. This l- lets you get really dark blacks. It also leads to just, you know, on, on the iPad, I think you noticed in your review, weird stuff happening. Yeah. In very <laughs> specific situations, yep. weird stuff happens. Yeah. And so we have to test that. I've already seen on some of the same – I mean, like, when I say you have to do specific things, it's like you find YouTube videos specifically designed to make weird things happen. Right, right. And, like, yep, the weird stuff happens again. Yeah, yeah. In practice, I, like, you know, we got to use it more. But I I think Apple's figured a bunch of it out. Yeah, okay. We'll see. The other thing is because they are HDR displays or XDR displays, the brightness modes of this thing are so complicated – the main mode runs up to 1,600 nits of brightness. Okay. But that is not a – that's like a general usage mode. Right. Then it has a bunch of reference modes, which actually drop the brightness way down. Oh, interesting. And color accurate. Right. So, like, I think about how am I going to explain this display. It's like there's a drop-down menu in a system preference that you have never looked at before in your life. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, like, I'm going to explain this to you. <laughs> and that, you know, I think some people really need that information, but for most people, what that is designed to convey is out of the box, this thing is designed to look good, maybe not designed to be perfectly accurate. Right. And so, like, so, it's, so, so it's a Samsung. <laughs> it's not that bad. Okay. It's just, like, it's optimized to be really bright. Yeah. And if you actually want to do the serious work on it, you got to fiddle with it to make it way less bright. Right, right, right. Um, and it's, a, it's actually the same as the Pro Display XDR that Apple made which is optimized for, like, office work out of the box. Yeah, yeah. Which is, like, surprising. It makes sense that this would be optimized yeah. for... But, like, all of that is just, like, ah, I'm, like, I'm in spec land. Yeah. To just get to, like, a very simple idea, which is it's complicated. <laughs> but to Apple's great credit, this... I would have... I did not expect this to work, but I opened Chrome. I went to YouTube. I typed in HDR. I, put, I played an HDR video, and it all just worked. Bam. And that is surprising for Apple. Very, actually, yeah. <laughs> you, you brought up the Pro Display XDR, which whenever I think about it, I just have emotions that they don't just make a, a good Apple monitor that costs less. Um, and I, I, maybe this is a place to end, that these cost a lot. It's really fascinating to me that, like, the reason people are like, oh, my God, thank you, is it's a computer that has ports and, you know, no touch bar. You can get a good computer without the touch bar now for relatively cheap. But it's interesting that there's, like, this middle zone between, like, pretty good and great. There's like, you want like good, good. Like I I would love to have this computer with its ports, but I don't need the mini LED display, you know, and I don't need the M1 Max or Pro. I'd be actually okay with an M1. If they would just put the ports on the Air or like the base level MacBook Pro, uh, that would be really interesting. And it seems like it's Apple, you know, famously had like the you know good, better, best. They had the product grid. You know, I don't subscribe to the idea that Apple needs like a perfectly coherent product lineup, but it does seem like there is a gap. I can't decide if that gap is there because there's not enough customers, or if that gap is there to convince me to buy the thing that's more expensive than what I actually need. I think that gap is there in the 13-inch MacBook Pro with a Touch Bar, and if they have any sense. Uh-huh. They will get rid of that computer. Yeah. They will use the 14-inch MacBook Pro design language, cut down on some of the features. Yep. Maybe even just put an M1 in it. Yeah. And, like, we're off to the races. I think they've chosen not to because then nobody would buy the MacBook Air. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. Well, maybe you put the M1 Pro in it and it's way more expensive. Right. Right? Like, the MacBook Air is, what, uh, 1200 bucks. Give or take. 
Uh, MacBook Air starts at nine ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. So, but when you spec it to, you add like you add an appropriate amount of memory and storage, and like get to twelve hundred bucks. There's a lot of space between that kind of good, better, best configuration of the MacBook Air. Yeah, and two thousand dollars. Right. We know this actually about the MacBook Air specifically. They have tried to kill it, and people won't stop buying it. (laughs) Yep. Like they're like, this computer sucks. This is the, it doesn't this is have the, a retina display. Yeah, this is the old, old MacBook Air. Not old. Yeah, the yeah, old, yeah. old one. Yeah, yeah. And they just, like, didn't rev it for, like, three years. Longer. Like, forever. And, like, Apple, like, we would be told we can't get people to stop buying this computer. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, fine. Like, all right, we're just going to – here it is. Like, yeah. here's the thing you want. Yeah. And so I, I think that, like, idea that – Apple can get me like we we know conclusively that they cannot kill the MacBook Air. <laughs> so like I think there's a lot of room there and that 13 inch Pro looks it's it's looking not long for this world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. You're gonna go away from here on Sunday. Thank you for coming in on a Sunday to record this. Um, Dieter's being too nice. We had our 10 year birthday party this weekend. Yeah. We've all been together. It's, it's been, been great exciting. to see everybody. Yeah, yeah. The real thing you should be thanking us for is doing this as hungover as we are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're going off to do more review work. What is, like, what's the next thing you're going to do in your review process and to get ready to write the thing, write the VO, get on camera later, blah, blah, blah. Like, what's the, what's the next step for you in these reviews? Running down the battery. Yep. Running down the battery? Yep. Yeah, that's it's the main main thing. And I haven't then, been able to do it yet because it takes like ten hours, and I haven't had to, <laughs> hopefully, and I haven't had that much. Yeah, it's, time. it's use but, it for a work day yeah. to try to kill the battery, and then for me, it's spending a lot of time unpacking the display modes, right? Which are yeah. they're just it's just you can go if you're listening to this, go and read the Pro Display XDR review. Mm-hmm. A version of that review has to get embedded into this review because. It's just very complicated. Right. And, and I'd like to do some more graphic testing as well. I think my current thought is like the M1 Max is clearly like very, it's insanely impressive for integrated graphics. It also is like a CPU with a GPU stapled onto it. So it's sort of unclear like whether that <laughs> is really the comparison we should be using. So I'd like, to, I'm going to be doing some more. I think digging into that and thought on like who the comparison yeah. is to in that uh, case. Saying that it's a CPU with a GPU stapled onto it is not inaccurate, but it's also like oh, you like, definitely have made a bunch of Apple chip engineers just, just, yeah. just, uh, Johnny Shruji just like, like turned rough, off the but, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Come back, Johnny. But that's a good point. Like, it's calling them integrated graphics is totally unfair. Yep. Right. But also just like technically true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> also, like, there, you know, there's the, well, I, I will end where Monica started. Everyone's asking us which one should they get. And the only real difference is a number of GPU cores. Yeah, and yeah, we don't know how to judge Processor-wise, they're they're the same. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, well, I don't. How many G- GPU cores do you think you need? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And like, if you have twice as many, is it the GPU twice as fast? Yeah, which does not actually appear to be the case, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. So like, we'll just see. I think we have to. We're gonna have to invent a language to talk about Apple's approach to GPU right. size. Yep. Uh, well, stay tuned for that. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We will be back on Friday with the regular chat show and back again next week on Tuesday with another focused episode of The Vergecast, which is a contradiction, but we're going to keep <laughs> trying to do it. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you absolutely can. I am Backlon. Neelai is Reckless. Monica is MC squared 96. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.